0: The median price of a three-bedroom rental in Cambridge, Massachusetts today is $3,900. I'm Christopher Schmidt, and this is Renters Matter. Renters Matter is a show about all things politics from the perspective of a renter, namely me. Uh, so this week we're going to be talking about a couple things at the city council level. We we'll talked about some upcoming things that I care about, uh, as well as whatever is going on in the world today. Um, so we can look at right now the top political thing on everyone's mind is the look at the uh, national political super tuesday primary democratic primary that's just happened uh it turns out that in um (laughs) massachusetts uh joe biden took the uh took the the democratic primary here in massachusetts um with uh sanders coming in second and warren coming in third in her home state uh as a warren supporter this is Personally, very disappointing to me um, as a Sanders second choice supporter. Uh, this is also not super great. Um, overall, I think that the election, you know, the 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 results of Super Tuesday really kind of leaves the rest of the election season kind of up in the air. Um, if you look at you know Sanders and where he was relative to last year at this time, he's much closer. Uh, still, a lot of ballots to be counted in California and Texas. Um, overall, this is actually a relatively close primary race um, I do think that it is evidence that Biden has has really managed to reach a broad coalition of voters has managed to build that support up uh, especially among you know black voters older voters uh, has has really kind of managed to to play off of 30 years of, of being in the national political scene and the connections that have been made in that way um, I was talking to you know a friend of mine earlier today and and you know said it's really disappointing to me that Warren hasn't done as well but the reality is that you know if you look at Clinton if you look at Biden if you look at you know even Sanders these folks have had 30 years on on the national 30 plus years on the national political scene uh, you know that that really a lot of this comes down to building up trust and conviction among voters that you are who you say you are you are you stand for what you stand for etc in in ways that that really hasn't had chance to happen for for warren um as well as for some of these others that dropped out amy and and pete you know they have not been big on the national scene before this and of course um bloomberg dropping out after the uh super tuesday results um is just a little bit you know silly you know the guy spent 500 million dollars he spent 250 dollars for every vote he got like it's 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 such a such a clear vanity campaign you know someone coming in and doing this although of course they he was also working to act a little bit as a spoiler for Sanders and and Warren um, and I think that you know if you look at it that way and look at you know Sanders and Warren really kind of not getting the same level of delegate support and other things like that where if they put in were, were able to put into effect the wealth tax that they had proposed on on high income earners um, you know Bloomberg would be out billions. Uh so for him I guess it's a worthwhile investment. You know, spend five hundred million dollars, spoil the chances of Sanders and Warren getting elected. Maybe maybe that's gonna work out for him. Um I'm still gonna be pushing for Sanders in upcoming states. I would encourage anyone, including uh folks who have been Warren supporters, to kind of look at that. I think the reality is that she's unlikely to meet viability thresholds in pretty much any other state going forward. So um if you believe in the the more progressive vision of where we should be, that we need to be pushing harder and fighting bigger, uh, making big structural changes, I think Sanders is really the place to be. Uh, and and I, you know, we'll we'll see what comes out of that. Um, as a result of kind of the, the shifting fates of Super Tuesday, I did briefly look at some of uh, Biden's policies on housing, and basically have the feeling of well, you know, if you if you take the numbers that we need, and then you divide them by ten, then it's great. You get you get from you know Bernie to Biden. Uh, if you take the numbers that we need for investment in uh, public housing, um, if you take the numbers we are looking at for public transit, uh, Biden. Does doesn't commit a single dollar to be spent on public transit. Um, you know, if we look at affordable housing, talking about spending a hundred billion dollars on on refunding the the affordable housing National Affordable Housing Trust is is great, except for that's like the amount of money we need for affordable housing in just Massachusetts, much less you know the rest of the country. Um, I, I, I'm. I'm You know, kind of dubious on a lot of these plans. And of course, climate, uh, is an area where I think, you know, Biden versus versus Bernie stands out as well. Um, you know, support for the Green New Deal and support for really drastic and fundamental change as we move towards dealing with our climate crisis is really critical to be able to to cover that. Um, and we're not really looking for that so uh i guess as a renter one thing that i have going for me at the moment is that um you know in in 30 years when i'm standing in water up to my ankles at least i can move but uh it's it's really kind of rough to be looking at that and saying you know what about what about you know my kids. What about you know the next generation? What are we going to be looking at for for climate change if we don't enact big structural changes to try and push forward on this? Uh, I will say that the the Biden campaign overall is better than you know Obama in 2012. That the Overton window shift that has happened in just the past year and a half has been massive. Has really really opened up a lot of possibilities and has made it possible for some of these policies to be practical or, or at least considered uh, that. That previously would not have had a chance. Um, I also have a lot of concerns in having a seventy-year-old, seventy-eight-year-old man who has clearly uh, begun to suffer some of the the cognitive effects of his age being the forefront of the Democratic Party is is not really a good look. Uh, you know, I've, I've I've watched a lot of his kind of speeches and comments, and you know, a lot some of them are flubs, and and Joe's gaffes have always been part of his. Uh, his, you know, charm to a lot of people, um, but that's no longer really the level we're looking at to me. I think that he's really, you know, struggling with, with the, the indignities of, of old age. Um I you know it's 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 frustrating that we're looking at really all of the candidates who are in the race really being in that state. the only exception of course being Tulsi uh, is is the, you know we're looking at people who are all in their 70s. It's not like you know an obvious choice that there's something a lot better out there, but um, you know, Biden's an old guy and and I I really wish someone would have pulled him aside kind of at some point earlier in in this election season and said, you know Joe, maybe, maybe this isn't the best idea, um, I worry, you know, I watched my father-in-law as he entered the same age range and, and he had great days, you know, days where he told me stories about his time being an engineer at GE during the space race. And, and he had bad days where, you know, he couldn't tell me apart from his other, you know, um, children. And, and that's, I worry. I, I hope that we're not kind of setting ourselves up for failure in that space. um, so it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. You know, as, as someone who's really big on the housing issues that affect renters, I think that Sanders proposes a much more bold plan. I think that he has the desire to do a lot more work in this space. Uh, I think that, you know, his his supporters have been driving issues of, of tenant protections and in the state of Massachusetts and in other places for you know years at this point, our revolution is a driving force in that. I also think that he recently kind of um, you know I, I described the situation uh, uh, about a week ago to my wife and I said you know Bernie Sanders made a bad tweet, so I had to stay up until two in the morning arguing with people on the internet. I don't really love that. So Bernie Sanders commented in the local space on the Suffolk Downs uh, development. Suffolk Downs is a large uh, abandoned horse racing track. Uh, that has currently been sold to a developer who's looking to develop ten thousand homes on the property. It's immediately adjacent to two blue line stops. It's immediately, uh, you know, it's it's near the East Boston area. Um, the development would include something like eighteen hundred affordable housing units, fourteen hundred something like that, fourteen hundred affordable housing units that we built there. Um, and there's there's concerns from the community around gentr- the effects of gentrification. Uh, and And Bernie had this comment of, of, well, there should be more affordability here, something along those lines. Uh, And I think that it's it's fine to say there should be more affordability here um, in, in the abstract, I think that the way that you should get to more affordability, if that's what you want, is that someone in the public domain has to be, you know, investing in that. Uh, if you look at Bernie Sanders' plan to spend 2.1 trillion dollars on funding the affordable housing developments, uh, it's it's great to say great, we should do that. But if you look at Boston's overall share of that, just based on population, it might be five billion dollars, and five billion dollars is really what we're talking about to build the Suffolk Downs development. Uh, you know, five or or. Or, you know, the, yeah, like five billion dollars is what this development will cost. It's unclear without public investment how you get a much higher rate of affordability here. And and Bernie could have said like, you know, hey, we need to be doing this as well as as investing in public housing and investing in more housing for those who you know may suffer displacement because when you replace an abandoned horse racing track with something better than an abandoned horse racing track which is pretty much anything to be clear you know whether it's open space or You know, homes or, or public housing or homes or offices or anything else like that. There's going to be an increase in desirability in the rest of East Boston. East Boston, an area which has historically low incomes relative to the rest of Boston. It is absolutely the case that, that Boston will have, um, you know, lower, that, that East Boston will suffer some side effects from having this redevelopment happen. And we really need to be looking at doing that, that increasing regional affordability does not automatically means every single person has a better outcome. It's it's better on average and people will suffer. So you need to be looking at, you know, elements like rent control, elements like just cause eviction to help protect those families that are in currently, you know, underpriced relative to the rest of Boston homes, because they're next to an abandoned horse racing track, uh, not nobody's favorite, you know, site to go visit. And and thinking about how do we how do we help these people? Do we you know commit to investing you know tax revenue that's generated by Suffolk Downs back into housing protections? Do we look at building more affordable housing, uh, or or low income housing or public housing in order to do that? And with Bernie's plan, you know, there's five billion dollars that could help over the next ten years provide for some of this gap that is created. That great, you have some market rate units, great, you have some inclusionary units, great, you know, all those things are fine, but then you need to follow up and say, well, what's next? What's next is that you bring in and have public housing to fill those gaps, that having market rate is good so that you have the rich people not pricing out people in East Boston, which will otherwise happen as desirability continues to increase in the Boston area, that you have people in inclusionary units who are in this middle income range and are able to provide for some of the unmet demand in the overall Boston area, and that you have a commitment to try and really meet the needs of people who are priced out of East Boston because East Boston will be more desirable because it's no longer an extra demand and resourcing track and find homes for them as well. And we know that waiting lists for public housing are too long. We know that affordability is too low. We know that these things will be a problem and that the people who are currently able to pay the least will be the ones who suffer them the most. So we should be doing more. But we shouldn't be doing more at the cost of not building things. We shouldn't be doing more by trying to put all that on private developers. We shouldn't be doing more by trying to take these, you know, private investments and saying, well, you should be giving up, you know, more profit until you're making zero, because that's just not gonna work. You're not gonna be able to tell someone like you should make zero profit, because even in a situation where like like, we're in a crisis. That crisis is self-imposed by creating too much of the city that you say is only reserved for rich people and, and not investing more in that. And, and, and we have to do better. We have to do better, but but you cannot take develop like you like the way to make housing affordable is not to allow sh- crappy places to remain crappy. Like that's not the right approach. You don't want to you know tear tear out the blue line because that will increase East Boston affordability because people aren't going to want to live there. You don't want to tear down stores and retail and everything else like that. You don't want to tear down MIT and Harvard. Well, maybe some people do, but most people don't want to tear down MIT and Harvard because making the place that you live worse is not the right approach to housing affordability even if it would work you've got to find ways to do something more than that you've got to be more creative than that you've got to find other solutions and and you know it's really disappointing to say we don't need more luxury apartments yeah we do need more luxury apartments because if we don't build more luxury apartments what we're going to get instead is people buying two family homes tearing out the walls that make them two families that were added in the 1930s and turn them back into single family homes and sell them for three $3 billion three million dollars not three billion that would be an expensive single-family home three million dollars which is what we see throughout Cambridge is people buy relatively more affordable homes they convert down convert them they you know upsell them they do all this other stuff to to create more fancy housing for rich people because we don't build enough rich people housing either now I don't have as much sympathy for rich people because like they can go move somewhere else but the other place they're going to move is into the affordable housing they'll just be like okay cool can't buy a new fancy place. Great. I'll just go buy that triple decker from you down in East Boston. I'll just buy, you know, this building and and do whatever I want with it because I am wealthy and I can do that. Um, if we look at the prices that are being charged for market central across the street here, uh, you know, the, the mass and main building, we're talking about it being $2,500 for a 350 square foot studio. We're talking about it being $6,000 for a three bedroom place. Like People can afford that. They can afford to buy your your dinky single family, they can afford to buy your, your two family, your three family in East Boston, and do whatever they want with them, and they're going to. So, so let's make rich people spaces too, so we don't have to have this competition going on. This is not a zero-sum game, and we should stop pretending that it is. At the same time, we should also be building more houses, more so, as much as we can, into areas that are more financially resilient we should be building in rich people areas uh and that's another reason i'm happy about the results from last night the northland development um a 800 unit development with 140 units of affordable housing replacing an abandoned warehouse and parking lots in newton massachusetts uh had been previously supported by the city council at a vote of 17 to 7, um, and was just recently, yesterday, uh, they they had forced, 5% of residents had forced a referendum. That referendum passed like 60 to 40 or 58 to 42 or something along those lines. Um, So this project will be going ahead, although I'm sure there will be more lawsuits and attempts to slow it down, uh, and adding 800 units of housing in Newton, Massachusetts, one of the wealthiest, most exclusionary suburbs that we have here. Um, And that's that's super exciting to me. It's super exciting to see that, you know, yes, the electeds supported this as 70%, and yes, the people actually voted for it at 60-40 despite, you know, an involved and dedicated misinformation campaign. The voters of Newton have spoken in favor of housing, as almost always happens when housing is put up to a referendum and not stuck behind, you know, silly planning boards and neighborhood councils and other things like that. In Cambridge, we've actually completed two different upzonings this week. Unfortunately, one of them is only for commercial. uh, The Grand Junction uh, path... Overlay district um, will be passed this or was ordained this week. Um, that will be giving a new commercial development uh, space to um, Alexandria Properties, which will also be working to develop out the Grand Junction Path and buying property and managing property around it. Uh, as well, they will be buying what is currently the Eversource property that was planned for a large substation. Uh, that substation will be moving to where the Blue Garage is near one. Kendall Square today uh, and that garage will be buried and we'll build another couple hundred thousand square feet of office space as well it's this whole complicated trade but um, regardless this is another step towards actually creating the Grand Junction Path uh, which will be an excellent multi-use bike path that will connect up to um, the Somerville Minutemen bike path? I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but a bike path in Somerville. Uh, this is like a long 30-year project they've been working on, and this is kind of a significant chunk of that that path that's actually going to move forward in exchange for Alexandria getting to build these bigger buildings. Uh, so that's kind of good. Um, we got to build some housing to house all these people who are going to move here, but you know like, we can kind of treat those separately. Uh, beyond that, Harvard Square um, also just had a new zoning ordinance overlay change passed this week. Uh, really excited about this one because I think it's going to give the square more opportunity to kind of change and develop uh, an opportunity that has kind of been missing for the past 25 years. Um, the Harvard Square Neighborhood Conservation District gave their report on on some of the work that they've done around kind of trying to preserve the style and nature of the square uh, over the past 30 years, and or t- sorry, the past... 20 years that the conservation district has existed um, and and I'm really I really think that this is a, a valuable thing it's going to help potentially open up opportunities to have you know some things be redeveloped and not just be home to chains to open up opportunities for more uh, you know largely retail and commercial development um, but also potentially even for a little bit of housing in a couple of places to kind of open up Harvard Square beyond where it is today uh, all largely controlled by special permits it will all be through the planning board instead of via some kind of you know non-discretionary process, but I, I've really been um, pretty happy with our planning board overall and, and hope that they'll be able to move forward well there. Um, speaking of the planning board, I will be at the planning board next Tuesday at 6.30pm presenting on my petition to change zoning to eliminate the restriction of family to mean only uh, three or fewer unrelated people. Um, this definition, the more I've looked into it, the amount of legal history uh, that shows how just blatantly illegal this particular language that's used by Cambridge is. Um, in 1974, there was a case that literally said, you know, the use of uh, degrees of kinship in order to define this kind of zoning element is just wrong. Uh, and, and that was also confirmed via um, elements like New Jersey uh, uh, really kind of getting rid of all this, you know, there's so many different cases, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, that have really established that this is the wrong way to do things. So that will be at the planning board on Tuesday. It will be at the ordinance committee the following Tuesday. Um, So I'll be attempting to get rid of that particular change. Um, This will also be, you know, kind of I hope a little bit of a boon to renters. Um, currently this definition is kind of this, this thing that hovers over your head and mostly doesn't matter except when it does. Uh, I have had landlords refuse to allow me to have four people on the lease on an apartment before because of this. Um, and uh, you know, I like if you don't have people on the lease, they're not protected by tenant protections. They have no real, you know, ability, property interest in the property that they're renting, and and I think that that's really a problematic position for anyone to have to be in. Um, So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of carrying that forward uh, and trying to drive that forward. I mean, the the real big thing that I've looked at and talking about this and trying to to say why this matters to me is to think about like what is our goal. Like the goal of the definition of family as it's established in the 1972 Supreme Court case, Belt Tear uh versus something, I don't remember exactly what, um, is is that you know it is totally reasonable in zoning to define family areas as places with few cars and wide lawns and and few people. And to me, growing, like living in Cambridge and raising my girls in Cambridge from the age of you know six all the way up to 21, you know, that isn't the view of what of what family living means to me. I've loved living, you know, close to a park, like loved living close to a lot of people so that the girls have people to play with. They can walk to schools, they can, you know, take public transit to school. There's always a ton of, of people around. Um, and as housing has become more expensive, especially to think about, you know, limiting some of this is is like, you know, you don't really want to be thinking that family means that you have to have a big yard. Uh, It's okay to have green, shared green spaces. It's okay to have, you know, family areas, meaning that there's lots of families nearby, that there's lots of opportunities for families nearby, that there's places that you can get together and have, you know, public community and have, um, uh, you know, a shared, you know, it takes a village model to, to raising a family family. And so I tried to step back and say, like, what's our goal with the zoning language? Well, our goal with the zoning language is, is maybe safety. Right, so maybe the issue that we're looking at is talking about, you know, how many people can safely live in a home. Um, maybe the issue that we're looking about is trying to promote a diversity of, of types of living arrangements. Uh, and I think one of the interesting things about Cambridge's, you know, rental stock is that like seven percent of Cambridge rentals that are currently on the market, according to Zillow, have more than four bedrooms or four or more bedrooms. Uh, so. You know, if you're looking at that and wanting to match that, um, you know, you might be thinking about a family that I guess has like three or four or five kids. or you could be thinking about this as like, you know, someone who's living in a, a non-traditional living situation where they're kind of having two sets of parents and kids sharing a household. Uh, when I moved to Cambridge, I kind of moved here with a set of a bunch of people who were all kind of helping raise our girls together. There were four of us adults in, in the home, uh, as well as the two girls, and and helping raise our six-year-old um, or, our, you know, nine-year-old and six-year-old as, as as they moved on towards adulthood. And that was really an important opportunity to us as I was working and my wife was attending school to have more people who were, you know, working part-time jobs and, and sharing some of the housing costs and sharing some of the burden of being, you know, part of the family was really an important way that we were able to, to do what we did, that I was able to work full time, that my wife was able to go to school by by sharing some of this. And we weren't all related. I mean, I wasn't even married to my wife at the time yet. And so, you know, it was like my my wife and her two daughters, and two friends of ours, and me, and we had somebody else who would sleep on the couch you know pretty much the entire time we were living there because we had enough space for that and and to take advantage of these bigger spaces, and not say like, yeah, you can have three M-related people there, any more than that, just not okay. Um, you know, to have two couples, uh, grad student couples, be able to share a two-bedroom, you know, home if that's the way they want to do it, and decide that they eat together and live together and and do this together, I think is a valuable proposition, and I think it makes sense to limit this type of thing to you know single nonprofit household. Like this is a valuable thing, but trying to draw some kind of line around on what families should look like just feels like that's not very Canterbridgean. You know, we're not going to check people's birth certificates. We're not going to say, where's your papers? So, so let's be realistic and say, OK, let's just let's just create opportunities for people to create the homes that work best for them. Um, we're uh yeah so that's that's what's coming up there beyond that um, there's going to be a talk from um, Elizabeth Cohen at CCTV on April 1st uh, on the uh, a history of affordable housing uh, the ABC a better Cambridge book club is going to be reading through the tenant displacement report at our book club um, I believe that's next or in two weeks uh, March 17th I think I'll double check the date and hear from me again next time um, or you can check me out on Twitter at Renters Show, uh, you can search for Renters Matter or Renters Show on Twitter. Um, we'll be talking through the Affordable House or the the Tenant Displacement Task Force that came out from the city last year. Um, talk about the proposals that that have been proposed and what we can do next in that space. Um, the uh, City manager's contract will be up for discussion again March 12th at the Government Operations Committee hearing. And uh, Yimby Town is coming up in just a little bit uh, April 2nd through 4th in Portland, Oregon, unless we all catch coronavirus before then, which hopefully we will not. So um, that's pretty much the summary of things that I'm looking at this week. You know, uh, Sanders will be better than Biden for housing and renters. uh, You know, Harvard Square and uh, Grand Junction zoning overlay passed. Uh, We've got the family definition of zone definition of family in zoning uh, coming up again. That's next Tuesday, the 10th, and uh, the following Tuesday, the 17th. I'll be there. Um, You're welcome to join me and and see if we can change things for the better here in Cambridge. I'm Chris Schmidt. This is Renters Matter. Have a good one.